All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. So good to have you out today. My name is Rich. And uh, you know what? I, I just want you to know, I don't know if you're, you've been around here for a while. There's a warm uh, fuzzy coming off of my sweater. I'll get that out of the way. Uh, but I want you to know, you know, whether you're a part of this church or this is your first time here, we are stoked that you're here. And we really believe here at this church that church is not just for church people, but church is for people that have maybe never been to church before. And we really hope that today, whether this is your first time or you've been around for a while, that this is, that you can come here and just go, okay, this just feels like home. And we want you to know that you're loved, uh, you're accepted, and that we're super glad that you're here. Um, a lot of you know, if you've been around here for a while, you know that I grew up in Canada, like Eric talked about a little bit. Um, I was born in the U.S., uh, but I but, uh, spent most of my life in Canada, and then 10 years ago moved back to the U.S. I just got to say, I love living in the U.S.A., and of all the things that I love about living in the USA, one of the things that I love the most is the freedom that there is in this country. And uh, even though there's freedom in, in Canada, uh, lots of nations believe in the basic human right of freedom, America takes freedom to just a different level than a lot of different countries do. Um, for example, uh, several years ago, we had uh, one of the family vans that we've had over the years. We've had a few of them now. One of the family vans that we had broke down. And uh, so we needed to call the tow truck, had them come and just tow it away. And, and I'll never forget, I've only been here for two or three years at the time, and I'll never forget the tow truck driver pulling up, and he wasn't just packing a concealed weapon. He had it like right out here, belt buckle, like John Wayne showing up to wrestle up some cattle or something. That doesn't happen in Canada. It does not happen in Canada. And, uh, but it's this, this, this freedom. Now, of course, it's a very contentious issue because there's lots of different opinions on how much freedom we should have when it comes to that, which we're not going to get into this morning. That's more for the coffee shops. But it does bring me to a different kind of freedom that, that we enjoy here in the USA that matters a lot to people, and that's the freedom to express your opinion. And uh, what's the line that you hear all the time? The line that you hear all the time is, I might disagree with you, but you have a right, you have a freedom to your own opinion. And then there's the freedom that, that we have in this country to choose uh, who, who gets in, into office. Now, a lot of countries, again, they have that freedom, but here we vote for just about everything. And I don't know if you realize that or not, but when I was in Canada, all I remember voting on when I lived in Canada was we, we would vote on who the prime minister was going to be, we'd vote on who the premier of the, the province was going to be, and then we'd vote on some, some local things like the, the mayor and different uh, uh, council members in the city. That's about it. Uh, voting ballots up in Canada were fairly, were fairly straightforward, but here it's not like that. Uh, we not only vote for federal, state, local stuff, uh, we also vote for the sheriff, we vote for the fire department chief, poor commissioners, county leaders, on and on and on and on and on and on the list goes. There's so many people and things that we vote on that you have this, this uh, um, every year, a couple of years, you get this, this voter's guide, this pamphlet, like 500-page like pamphlet or whatever it is, so you know how to vote. And uh, there's nothing like that in Canada. But here, it's a necessity. And on top of, of what we vote for, as far as the people, there's all the initiatives and all the referendums that we vote for in the U.S. And, and I don't know if you know that, this, but it doesn't happen like that in most countries. In fact, when I, when I first moved here and heard that we were going to be voting on a levy, I had no idea what a levy was. All I knew about levies was took the Chevy to the levy, but the levy was dry kind of thing. I'm like, why are we voting on this? I didn't have a clue. But in this country, we're blessed to have this incredible amount of freedom. 
I can vote for who I want. I can pack a weapon in my purse if I want. I can say whatever I want. I can worship however and wherever I want. As long as I'm not breaking a law, I can basically do whatever the heck I want, right? And I love this about America. We have freedom. And, and the freedom that we have is, is really good. And the reason, the reason that we have freedom is, is actually really good too. Um, one guy, uh, this university professor named Ian Scoble, a uh, professor who teaches and writes about the Constitution and writes about government and freedom, he explains why the founders made it such a big deal about freedom. He said this, he said, freedom is important because it allows us to be ourselves and to work together while maintaining autonomy. It allows us to be us so that we can work together. In other words, freedom enables me to be me. It allows you to be you. The idea is that if you can be yourself and I can be myself, then we will work together for our mutual well-being. This sounds good in theory, right? You're free and I'm free, so now we can work together to make each other's lives better. The only problem, and it's a big one, is that political freedom isn't enough to get us what we really, really want. And as good as, as the, the, the freedoms that I've been describing are mostly uh, political freedom, as good as political freedom is, um, it falls short in that it doesn't actually lead to us becoming a people that work together. It actually leads to us working apart. It leads to division. And if you go, what are you talking about, Rich? Don't believe me. Just look at the government. I mean, the divide is massive. And this, this isn't a political sermon this morning, so, so don't get too nervous. But the divide is massive. Um, we have the same freedom, we have the same purpose, but, but it isn't working. And, and this also plays out in, in marriages all the time. A, a free man, a free woman are put together. They're free, but they're also self-centered. Um, he wants to spend all the money on uh, new tools and upgrades to the truck. She wants to spend all the money on new shoes and uh, nights out with the girls. Fights happen, division ensues, and rather than working together, what happens? They end up actually working against each other. He's secretly stashing grocery money away to pay for the new upgrades on the truck. She's secretly stashing grocery money away to pay for new shoes. Don't act like you've never done it before, okay? But this is how it works. There's a difference between the freedom that the world offers and the freedom that Jesus offers. And in America, when we talk about freedom, we're generally talking about political freedom. And, and like we talked about in week, week one of this series, the freedom that the world offers is what? It's my right to do whatever I want. My right to do whatever I want. And to be clear again, there's nothing wrong with this kind of freedom. It's good. It sure beats living in a country where you are told over and over again what you can and cannot do. But, but here's its downfall. In the end, freedom without Jesus leads to bondage and destruction. It is me wanting my way over God's way, my needs, my wants, my plans. And in a broken world, it's all, it ultimately becomes about serving the person in the mirror, which is, of course, yourself. But there's a freedom that does lead to life. It's the freedom that Jesus offers. And again, like we talked about in week one, the freedom that Jesus offers is the ability to do what you ought. Now, when you hear that word ought, which is kind of a weird word, but it's the only word I can think of that works here. When you hear the word ought, don't think religious duty. Don't think ought as in you ought to clean the dishes after dinner. Think of it in terms of you ought to break free from your addiction. You ought to be less about yourself and more about others. You ought to live courageously 
instead of fearfully. It's the ability to live the life that Jesus calls you to, the ability to experience life and life to the full. It's having a heart and a soul that are free to love, free to give, free to be generous to others. This is the kind of freedom that Jesus brings. And, and the biggest difference between the world's freedom and Jesus' freedom is it's, it's all in the fruit. You see, where the freedom of the world, it, the, the freedom that the world offers sets me free to serve me, the freedom that Jesus offers sets me free to serve others. Both freedoms ultimately want to be about working together for the sake of all, but only God's freedom actually has the power to get us there. And there's this book in the Bible that, that's written by the Apostle Paul, and, and in this book it talks a lot about freedom. It's the book of Galatians, and it's written to a church in the city of uh, Galatia. And chapter 5 of the book starts off like this. It says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. If you think Jesus sets us free from sin and death and all that stuff, only to imprison us in a bunch of religious do's and don'ts, you are mistaken. It is for freedom, the Bible says, that he has set us free. He sets us free so that we can experience true freedom. This, our God that we serve is a freedom-bringing God. Who the Son sets free is what? We are free indeed. Amen. And then the Bible goes on to say this. It says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So apparently it's possible to be set free by Jesus and then actually end up going back into prison again. To which Paul says, no, don't do that. Stand firm. Don't allow yourself to be burdened once again to a yoke of, of slavery. Don't become enslaved. Which leads to the question, well, how do I stand firm and not go back to being enslaved? Because if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, I'm sure, like me, you've tasted freedom. You've tasted what it's like to have Jesus come and set you free, and then you found yourself one day back in prison. Maybe back in a prison of fear, maybe back in some kind of prison of, of addiction, maybe in, in a prison where you're, just, you're bound up by the past and failures and shame and all that stuff. So the question is, how do you not go back? How do you stay free? Well, obviously, one of the big ways that you stay free is by just simply not going back, not going back to that addiction, to that fear, to that, to that thing that had you in prison. Um, it's instead living as a loved, valued, chosen, free child of God. That's one way to stand firm and not be burdened again by yoke of slavery. But there's another way, which I believe is the most important way for you to stay free. And, and we read about this a little further down in, in Galatians chapter 5. Paul gives the Galatian church a huge key to standing firm in their freedom. He says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather... Serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed, be destroyed by each other. Serve one another humbly in love. Do you remember, play, do you remember playing that game, Capture the Flag? Anybody play the game, Capture the Flag? What? That's all? The greatest game of all time, and half of you have never played it? Okay, after church today, we're going over to the park, capture the flag. Let's go. But it's a great game, right? You split up into two different teams. Um, each team hides their flag, and, 
and then the other uh, team tries to find their flag. And one of the things that makes capture the flag so much fun and so adventurous is that while you're trying to, to capture your flag, that's in the, the, the other team's, the enemy's territory, while you're trying to capture the flag, the other team is trying to tag you. And if they tag you, what happens? They, they grab a hold of you, and they put you in capture the flag jail. Now, I have spent a lot of time over the years in capture the flag jail, and it's not very fun because you're stuck there in your little circle with a couple other people, and everybody else is out there running around, having the time of their lives, adventure, trying to escape the bad guys or whatever, and you're stuck there in capture the flag jail. But there is nothing like that moment when you see your teammate come running over the hill, breaking through the trees, running a thousand miles an hour, an another person, the enemy on their tail as they're trying to, to catch you or, or come and free you. They come up, they get into the little circle, high five you, and you're free. Your teammate walks you back to your, your territory and, and you are, you're safe again. And as good as that is, there's a better part of Capture the Flag. And, and like in life, there are two different kinds of people when it, when it comes to capture the flag. There's the kid who gets set free and just decides to play it safe. You know, they, 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 they've been in prison, they've been in jail, and so they, they know that that's not a whole lot of fun. And so they get set free, they go back, and what do they do? They just sit around um, playing it safe. They don't venture back in enemy territory. territory and, and hopefully you weren't that kid, okay? If you are, don't tell anybody. We still want to know. Or maybe you need some freedom from, I don't know. Anyways. But, because if you were that kind of kid, though, you were squandering your freedom. You had a job to do. You were set free so that you could go back into enemy territory and set other people free, or at least grab the flag and, and accomplish the mission. Hopefully, you were the second kind of kid that went back and did that. But a lot of Christians get set free by Jesus, and they squander their freedom. They get set free from shame or addiction or whatever, and then, then rather than, than, than serve one another in love like Jesus calls us to do, we play it safe. We sit around twiddling our thumbs. We just play church. We just do the Christian thing. Enjoy all the blessings for ourselves. Listen, he set you free so that you could be about setting other people free. And how do you do that? The same way Jesus did, that Paul just talked about here in the Scripture. Serve one another humbly in love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Your freedom is not just for you. Your freedom is for others. It's for others. And this isn't God coming along and going, okay, well, gotcha, bait and switch here. This isn't God going, okay, now, now you're free, but you're not really free. Now you're a, now you're a servant of others. You've got to serve other people. That's not what God's doing here. It's God saying, no, you are free to do what you were created to do. You're free to love and serve others well. Now, when it comes to loving and serving others well, setting other people free, enslaved people just can't do that. They can't do this. Um, throughout this series, um, I've shared how um, I've been enslaved over the years. I've been enslaved to religion, you know, never really enjoying the freedom in Christ, just seeing church and Christianity as being rules and obligation, and just trying to earn God's love over and over again. I've been enslaved to addiction, um, gambled away thousands of dollars, um, I've been enslaved to shame, just that, that deep-rooted, ugly, awful feeling that there's something wrong with me. Um, I've been enslaved to fear, afraid that people won't like me. Lots of things. And one of the most tragic things, though, about being in prison is that 
the, the prison completely cuts off my ability to see beyond myself and be a person who loves other people well. And, and so, for, for example, some of the most difficult times in my marriage over the years were when I was, I was hiding this gambling addiction because I didn't want Becky to find out. And so, I mean, how could I, how could I begin to think about loving and serving her well when I'm just like, I've got this, this wall that I've built up to try to keep her, try to keep her out. And then there's the fear of rejection that, that I've dealt with most of my life. And when all your thoughts go something like this, do they like me? Will they accept me? What if I say something stupid? What if they really get to know me and reject me? When all your thoughts are like this, you are incapable of noticing the needs of others around you, reaching out and loving others. Why? Because you're so focused on yourself. This is why the freedom that Jesus comes and gives you gives you the ability to do what you ought to do. He sets you free to notice the needs of others around you and to serve them and to love them well. And when this happens, you'll notice a couple changes take place in you. First of all, you'll have the, 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 this freedom will enable you to live generously. It will enable you to live generously. It enables you to be generous with your time. It enables you to be generous with your money enables you to be generous with the gifts that God's given you, enables you to be generous with your talents. You know, it's interesting, in a country where we have so much to give away, we, we hoard so much. We're imprisoned. We're afraid that if we, if, if we, we give, we won't have enough for ourselves. And this, it, or, or the prison of the past, it keeps us from being generous. You, you, you gave back then, and it was maybe taken advantage of somehow. We live in this prison of that, that keeps us from, from living generously. Um, just as a practical example of, of how this works, you know, one of the things that, that God is calling us as a church to, CTK Ferndale, one of the things that God is calling us to in, in 2020, and not just this year, this is, we're going to do things differently around here, is to be a much more generous church in every way, but specifically when it comes to our, our finances. And every week, um, the people of this church give faithfully, obediently, um, give tithes and offerings. We give because God's given us so much. We give because we believe in the mission that God has called us to here in this city to see Ferndale transformed. We believe in this. But, but up until this year, one of the things that we've done as a church is we've, we've only given away a small part of what comes in in tithes and offering, right around 4%. And we believe that this year, God is calling us to go, okay, we're going we're gonna to raise that up. Take it from 4% to more around the biblical tithe of, of 10%. And we're going to start giving this away and, and um, giving out, outside and beyond ourselves. He's calling us to take a step, step and live generously to, to look for ways that we can tangibly bless people in our city, um, where we can support the different people and organizations around us that we believe in. And we can do this because we have this freedom in Christ. If we live shackled by fear, if we live shackled by fear of the future, fear of not having enough, guess what? We can't live generously. But when we begin to understand who our Father in Heaven is, when we understand just how blessed we are, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Our dad owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's a God of more than enough. And, and we understand how his heart is to lavish not only us, but those who are far from him with generosity guess what that does? It sets us free. And it gives us the ability to do what we ought to do, which is to live more generous.
Listen to how Jesus, as he has his 12 around him, there's this moment where Jesus has the 12 and, and he sends them out. And Jesus, as he's with the 12, I mean, they're just finding freedom in Christ. And as he sends them out, listen to what he says. He says, go and announce to them the kingdom, that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. He's saying, what's he, what's he at, asking them to do here? He's asking them to give. You've been given, now go and give. And then there's this last line that's just so good. He says, give as freely as you have received. And he's asking you and me to do the same thing. He's saying, hey, I have blessed you with so much freedom. I blessed you with life. I have given my son to die on a cross for you so that you can know life and life to the full. And then he comes along and he says, hey, give as freely as you have received. And where the generosity of Jesus is, you know what happens? His, his grace and, and his goodness is poured out and it always ends up creating a people that's just generous like Jesus. He sets us free, and when you discover that freedom in him, it enables you to live generously. It also, this freedom, enables you to love boldly. It enables you to love boldly. For much of my life, um, my issues with fear and shame have had all my focus be on me. And for the longest time, I, I thought, the, you know, when, when you deal with fear and shame, feels pretty awful. And for the longest time in my life, I thought the biggest problem with fear and shame was the awful feelings that go along with fear and shame. Like, who wants to be living in fear? Who wants to be crippled by that? Who wants the, the shame and just the, the deep humiliation and the embarrassment that goes along with that? I thought the biggest problem with those two things that had me in prison was the awful feelings that I personally had to deal with. But as I, as I got to know Jesus more and more and more and more, one of the things that, that stands out very quickly about Jesus as you get to know him is that Jesus is all about others. He's not, he's not gripped and imprisoned by, by shame. And, and what I began to see over and over again is the biggest problem with these things that had me in prison wasn't that they felt bad, but that they were keeping me from loving like Jesus. I was just so focused on me and my own issues that I couldn't love like Jesus. Well, a couple years ago, um, just through some things that, that God had been speaking to me, I, I found myself in this place of freedom that I'd never known before, specifically when it, when it came to fear and shame. And I knew I was free. This is how I knew I was free, is that all of a sudden, when I was around people, the focus was no longer on me. I don't know if you've ever had this happen before, but all of a sudden, it didn't, didn't really matter who, who I was talking to. I found myself paying attention to them and what they were saying and what they were experiencing and whatever it, it was that they were going through. I was able to pay attention to them on a whole different level. There was this the new level of care and compassion that I just didn't know before. I didn't have these voices chirping in the back of my head, putting my attention all on me and how people would or wouldn't receive or reject me. There was this new ability to, to hear and see the needs of others and love people in a way that I just couldn't before. It was freedom. It was freedom. And this is what God's freedom does. It enables you, it enables me to take our eyes off of our hang-ups, our issues, our stuff, our rights, our self-preservation, and it enables you to love. And not just to love, but to love boldly. I love what this pastor, his name is Rick McKinley. He pastors a church in Portland. And he talks about how 
he talks about what it, what it means to love boldly. And, and he talks about how we often filter Jesus' call to love boldly into calls to be nice. So we take the call to love your enemies and change it to tolerate people that you don't like. Or the call to love your neighbor becomes smile and wave to them if they happen to be in their driveway when you're outside. Or worst of all, the command to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength becomes try not to sin and make God mad. And McKinley talks about how we don't make these, these small edits to the commands to love boldly overnight. Um, they happen gradually over months and years and years and years. And part of the reason that they happen is because we don't know the freedom that comes from being fully loved and fully accepted by God. But when you know what it means to be fully loved and accepted by God, it, it enables you to love boldly. You're free to restructure your life kind of like we're talking about doing with our our church finances, to restructure your life in a way that enables you to love boldly. And and this looks different for all of us. How could this look for you? Um, Maybe it's as simple as engaging people more in your life. Um, A few weeks ago, I was talking to a lady in our church, and um, as I was talking with her, she was telling me about how she doesn't go to the self-checkout lines in the grocery stores. You know, I I tend to go to the self-checkout lines because it's faster and just you know, a lot of times I just want to go in there and get out and whatever. And she's telling me about how she goes to, the, to a uh, checkout that has a real live living person for a few different reasons, but one of the reasons is just to engage people more. I thought, that's so good. I sh- that is restructuring your life so that, so that you can boldly love people. Um, yesterday, me and some of the guys on our council were, were doing this, uh, this weekly prayer meeting the four of us, and yesterday we were just driving around our city and praying that God would just bless our city and praying that God would move and stir hearts. And, and, um, and as we're driving by these different churches in our city, we're just praying for the, the other churches in our city, praying, God, would you pour out your spirit on these, these churches? Would you cause them to flourish and to grow? We can pray that way because we're not praying from a sense of scarcity or fear. We're just going, no, we've been set free. We, we want to see... God moved not just here in our church, but in every church. It, it just changes things. Um, maybe for you, it's a ministry opportunity. You know, in a few weeks, you're going to hear um, uh, uh, from a lady in our church who is a part of Be the One. You know, this high school mentoring program that's been going for the last year and a bit. And, and this lady um, is going to share about how she's been doing this for the past several months, getting outside of her own comfort zone and her shell and 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 outside of whatever's holding her back, fear, whatever, and she's stepping into the high school once a week and loving boldly. It's this ministry opportunity. When you've been set free, Jesus sets you free so that you can love others boldly. He sets you free so that you can live generously. That's what God does. Our freedom in Christ is not just for our sake. It is for the sake of others. And and we're not left without an example in Scripture of what this looks like. Now, Jesus is our supreme example. Jesus is totally free. When you talk about freedom, Jesus is totally free. He is loved immensely by his Father in heaven. They have the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're, they're just love, just boundless love. He's free. He has everything. He has power, honor, glory, the riches of the universe. They're all at his disposal. And what does he do with his freedom? 
The Bible says, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is loving boldly. His ability to serve, his ability to love so selflessly demonstrates how he has more freedom than we will ever know in this lifetime. And with that freedom, what does he do? He says, no, I'm not going to make it about me. I'm not going to just make it about me enjoying all the blessings of heaven and the riches of heaven, the, the riches of this relationship that I have with the Trinity. He goes, no, I'm going to make it about others. I'm going to take this freedom and I'm going to use it to love and serve others as well. And as we wrap up this morning, my question for us is, what are you using your freedom for? What are you using your freedom for? And can you just this morning, can we just have an honest moment between ourselves and, 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 and the Holy Spirit? What are, you using, what are you using your freedom for? Is it mostly about you and you're going, man, I just, just love what God's doing in my life and, and he's doing this and that and and, which is good. I mean, God wants to bless you. Don't misunderstand this morning. God's a good father. He wants to bless you. He wants you to know more and more freedom, more and more joy, more peace. He wants all that for you. But does it just stop at you? Or are you using your freedom for others? Are you more like that kid in Capture the Flag who gets set free and, man, now I'm out of enemy, enemy territory, so I'm just going to play it safe and I'm just going to hunker down Or are you like that person that's going, no, I'm set free. Let's get it on. I'm going back into enemy territory. I'm going to be about setting other people free. I'm going to be about seeing my neighborhoods transformed. I'm going to be about seeing my city come to know Jesus. I'm going to be about loving others. I'm going to be about serving others. I'm going to be about taking this freedom that God's given me and seeing others set free as well. Which one are you this morning? God is calling us, he is inviting us to be those people that use our freedom to set others free. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much that it is just as true today as, as it was 2,000 years ago when you said those words, who the sun sets free is free indeed. God, you are a God who brings so much freedom. And Father, this morning, God, you are calling us God, to take this freedom that you've given us and and not just enjoy it for ourselves, although you do invite us to do that because that's just kind of father that you are. But God, you are calling us this morning to take this freedom that you've given us and to, to use it, God, to serve others, to humbly serve others in love like Paul talked about in Galatians. And so, Father, I pray and I ask, God, that you would show us what that looks like. Show us what that looks like God, maybe it's just changing up some of how we go about our, our, our day. Maybe instead of taking our lunch break to just kind of hunker down and tune out the rules, you're asking us to take our lunch break to engage with the other people in the lunchroom. Maybe you're asking us to, to get out of the self-checkout line and move over to the checkout line so we can start interacting with the cashier that we see every week. 
God, I don't know what it looks like, but God, I, I know that you're asking us to restructure our lives so that we can take this freedom that you've given us and live generously and love boldly. So God, show us what that is. Show us what that looks like, I pray. And God, I also want to pray for us as a church. God, I'm excited, God, about how we're doing some restructuring around here. God, we're looking at, at where we're at, and God, we're looking at where our city is at, and we're going, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. There are a lot of people that don't know Jesus, and, and there's some restructuring going on. And Father, I pray that, that, Lord, if there's some other things, God, that we need to change and shift, God, that you would show us what those are. God, may we be a church that is constantly about looking for ways that we can live more generously and love more boldly, God, here in the city of Ferndale and wherever it is, God, that you lead us. Lord, we want to be about your heart. We want to be like you. We want to be like, like our God who, who didn't just take his freedom and enjoy it for himself, but took the posture of a servant and said, I'm going to step away from all this and step down into the broken world and lay down my life for the sake of others. God, we want to be like you. So, Father, I pray that you would show us more and more, God, how we can do that as a church. God, we want to be about seeing our, our neighborhoods transformed, our city transformed. God, for the sake of your name. God, we want others to know the freedom that is found in you. So, Father, we just, God, come before you with an open posture and say, work through us. Work through us. I'm just going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning for just a couple more moments. I cannot talk about freedom in Christ this morning without making an offer this morning for you to know freedom. And maybe there's somebody here this morning that has never put your faith and trust in Jesus. You know, the, the greatest thing that you can have freedom from is sin. And the, 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 the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And before Jesus, we are all in prison to sin and death. There's just no other light way to put it. It is bad news without Jesus. And Jesus this morning is offering you not just to be set free from sin and death, but he's offering you life eternal this morning. And so if you're here this morning and you have never known the freedom in Christ that, that is available to you when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, it is being offered to you by Jesus. The Bible says that he stands at the door and he knocks. And he's knocking this morning. And if you're here, you're going, okay, I want to know that freedom. I'm going to, I would love to pray for you. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to just take a, a, a small step of courage and put your hand up nice and high. Anybody here, you're going, I want the freedom that's available in Jesus. Anybody here? Awesome. See that hand. Anybody else? Awesome. You can put your hand down. Heavenly Father, I pray for um, this person who raised their hand this morning. And God, I just want to celebrate today that, Jesus, there is freedom in you. Thank you that you set us free from sin and death. God, and you invite us into this life of following you, knowing life to the full. And so, Father, I pray for this person. God, you know their heart. God, you know where they're at this morning. God, I'm thankful that they're here, that they walked into this building. And, Lord, I thank you that you have them here for this moment. God, to know you in a whole new way. So, Father, I pray that, Jesus, they would know what it's like not only to walk in the fullness of your freedom, but, God, they would know what it's like to walk in the fullness of, of, of living generously and loving boldly like you, Lord. Father, thank you so much for this time that we've had together today. God, we're excited about what you're doing in our lives.
God, we're excited about what you're doing in this church. God, I thank you so much for all that you're, you're doing. For all these things in your name, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.